The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, where just about anything goes. After 10.15, we're going to speak to someone from Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights to find out everything you need to know about STI testing. Uh, we talk a lot about COVID testing. We still have to talk about STI testing, plus uh, some new COVID uh, dating terms, and uh, we should be expecting, apparently, a gonorrhea boom post pandemic all that and more after 10:15 but first calling's not the only way to connect the inbox is easy and always open at 514 800 so first of all, let me uh, mention this. I, I mentioned it yesterday, but it wasn't public yet uh, about a friend of mine passing and a good friend of, of mine who died a couple of days ago who had been on our Passion View several times, uh, Sharon B. Uh, she was an icon in the Montreal makeup industry. She was uh, more recently famous for her uh, bronzer and being dedicated to promoting women's uh, well-being and and um, psychological well-being through uh, through makeup, giving makeup tutorials, and she passed suddenly at the age of seventy-two. So my prayers uh, certainly go out to uh, to her family. This was an uh, what a loss to the world because she was just this bubbly wonderful. She lit up a room, um, just a wonderful, wonderful lady. And she will really, really be missed. And some of you sent me some of some notes and I uh, appreciate that. Thank you very much. And all the messages uh, on Facebook, people remembering uh, Sharon B. So thank you all for that. Appreciate it. All right. Let me get to some of your, uh, some of your uh, emails, uh, email. You can email me anytime to Lori at drlaurie.com. Hello, Dr. Laurie. I just wanted to say I'm a recent listener to your program. I believe you do people a great service with your professional input. I work the night shift and you brighten up my day. Sorry to hear about your family members stricken with COVID. Update. Uh, my aunt is doing better. Thank you very much. Uh, to quote the immortal wor- words of Red Green, keep your stick on the ice. We are all in this together. Uh, yes, and I certainly do feel that. So thank you. I uh, I appreciate that. Okay, nothing to do with sex, but my 12-year-old son is still eating with his hands. Peace tonight. It pieces me off. He says he doesn't do it at school or when he is at restaurants, blah, blah. Why do I let it bother me? Well, you want him to have good manners, and you can say to him, when you're sitting at the table, I expect all of us to eat with proper manners. End of story. Your house, your rules. Like, come on, this is part of teaching kids, right? We have to teach them uh, appropriate ways of eating. It doesn't matter if they're doing it at home or not. Obviously, at home, they're comfortable and and who cares, But uh, or they think that. But uh, you're allowed to say, look, I'd like to have some some manners at the table. So uh, I don't think it's, uh, it's wrong to say that. 
And Dr. Laurie, we were listening in last night and very much enjoyed your show. As lesbians, the woman who is married looking to explore the other side of her sexuality, it is something she will have to think of very seriously. She is married and wants to have a sexual experience without her husband's knowledge, and that is cheating. I do understand her reasons for not telling her husband because it will cause issues before and after. If she chooses to have an experience, then she will have to live with the possible guilt for life. The decision is hers to make. On another point, the poem last night, and I will use your words, was very deep and got myself and my partner playing it back this morning and writing it down. I emailed it to my students and some faculty members and asked what they thought some of the meaning were. Some students came back with some very interesting comments. Other teachers spent time on the internet looking for the poem in hopes of finding the poet who wrote it. I did not reveal the source as of yet, but one of your physics uh, one of the physics professors stated it is like a cross between Stephen Hawking, Nostradamus, and Edgar Allan Poe. We did search the internet looking for signs of plagiarism, but nothing can be found. Please tell us who is this passion poet? Has the poet wrote similar works? Man, I, and so I, I kind of, um, I checked in with him today because I, I wanted to give him this feedback. And he wrote back to me saying, I do not know what to say. Very happy someone thought enough of that poem that it deserved to be shared with students and teachers. It took me a little over an hour to write that poem, but there's nothing to be decoded or deciphered. I wanted to write something that could mean anything to anyone. There is no wrong interpretation. He's not a published poet. He literally has just been doing it for the show. So I think we can all encourage him to maybe do more with this because he's really, um, really good about it and uh, really good at it, I should say. All right. Uh, dearest Lori, I love the show. Um, uh, I love having sex with my wife. We only do it like three times a month and we're very clean people. We shower and wash up every day. After we have sex, we both clean up with a warm washcloth. It doesn't matter what I do. I always get really itchy around my testicles and the base of my shaft. I find cocoa butter helps after a shower, but this itching is driving me nuts, literally. But she does not itch. It, it seems like her fluids are very acidic. Is there an answer about this? So I don't know what this could be. If she's not itchy and she's got nothing going on, I mean, itchy testicles, like a jock itch or something like that, I would have to ask, like, is it, is there any redness? It, does it look like a rash? Like these are the things that a doctor would look for. Uh, if the skin is red, maybe it's a, a, a fungus. Maybe there is a yeast infection and you're getting it. Um, maybe she doesn't have, she would normally you would, she would feel the symptoms. Um, it sounds like it's a skin thing. Uh, of course, STIs can cause itching in that area too, but uh, just going by your your email, it sounds like you're both uh, monogamous. I'm not going to make the assumption, but let us let me make the assumption. Uh, it could be an allergic reaction. Maybe it is, uh, maybe it is a reaction to the acidity. So it could be a like a contact dermatitis, but usually this comes with a, some kind of itchy rash. So I don't know, could it be chafing? Uh, that's another cause of itching, maybe from the friction during sex. So that's another um, possibility that you can, uh, you can look at. Uh, all right, let me see. 
Here's a, uh, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you being there for us every evening, even when you yourself are dealing with your own sadness and grief. You're a warm light in the cold darkness. That's very, very sweet. Thank you very much. Uh, today, while br- browsing on YouTube, I accidentally came to see your lecture on TED Talk discussing about how a woman's sex life, and now it gives me an immense pleasure to write to you about my wife. Getting straight to the point, my wife shows no interest in sexual intercourse most of the time. We've been together for four years now, and we had two beautiful kids, but as far as I know, since after my first child was born, maybe like about six months hence, she started resisting my intimacy to have sex with her. We never fight or have a heated argument within our family. I can tell we are a happy family. I ask her what's the matter. She blindly says, I don't know. Sometimes she gets orgasms by watching some massage videos, but if I do massage her, she isn't get that again. I even ask her, are you not happy with me and my family? No, that's not a problem, she said. I read some encyclopedia and it says women's desire for sex changes due to hormonal transitions. Okay, let me believe that because I ain't a doctor yet. Imagine she still didn't show any sign of interest in sex. I try every step that I know of. This makes me wonder how I should make her sex life be good again, like while we were like the first month of our marriage. She says, I don't know, honey. I'm also worried. Sometimes when I really wanted to have sex and if she resists, I thought of finding some women just to satisfy my pleasure. Please don't do that. I know this is not a good thing to do. I want to be a faithful husband. Only this stops me from doing adultery. SOS. Doc. So I'm going to answer this one uh, after we talk about STIs. So uh, if I just, I'll remind myself to get to that one, because again, it's important to look at women's desire and I'll repeat myself um, again. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. So before the pandemic, many provinces were already concerned about the rising sexually transmitted infection rates. Rates of chlamydia and gonorrhea are growing steadily and new HIV and syphilis cases are rising again after steadily declining in the years before. So yes, we need to have this conversation. And to help us uh, figure out the ins and outs of STI testing, Makita Zook, she is the Health Promotion and Education Officer of Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights. Makita, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lori. It's nice to be here. Well, it's important to have this uh, this conversation. And of course, uh, Action Canada is uh, always on top of things going on uh, with regards to STIs and sex, sexual health education and all of that. So that work never stops, right? Yes, absolutely. It never stops. Um, and you know, even in um, in the midst of a pandemic, when folks are in lockdown, um, people are finding ways to to hook up and um, and to have sex. So, uh, STI testing continues to remain um, something that we we need to do to take care of our overall health. So, do you find um, are, that people are putting that? Uh to the side? Like, are, are there places they can still go for STI testing or people not wanting to go to clinics because of the fear of COVID uh, or people more just more concerned about COVID testing rather than STI testing? Um, yeah, um, 
definitely people um, are uh, seeking out STI testing. We have a sexual health information line. It's a 24-hour, seven days a week line, and we we are still very much hearing from people um, on the line um, about and like with questions about where they can go get tested. So. Um, we know that it's definitely something that that folks are still seeking out, and I think that there's um, because of COVID, sometimes there is a little bit of uncertainty amongst people about um, sort of how that process is is working um, is working right now, and uh, and where they can go because I think at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, what was happening is that people felt like, oh, maybe I can't go to a clinic. Maybe this isn't an essential service that's being right. offered. Right. Um, but now, um, you know, now I think people do know that that it is being offered and um, and are definitely seeking it out. They're just calling our line to figure out kind of, you know, where they should go um, and what they need to think about ahead of time if there's anything extra. Right. It's interesting, right, with the government talking about uh, staying away from sexuality because of uh, the transmission of COVID. I'm assuming if people are having unprotected sex, hence needing more of this STI testing, they're certainly not wearing masks while they're having sex. That's my assumption. Uh, So I wonder if these clinics are also just at the same time COVID testing, you know. Uh, so, yeah. it, <laughs> just yeah. can you walk us through the process? So, if somebody has unprotected sex, maybe they have a symptom, maybe they don't. They want to get tested. What it? What do they do? What do they? What can they expect? Because for some people, it, they're a little bit scared, maybe of needles, of whatever. So, maybe you can walk us through the methods of testing. Yeah. So, um, typically, what happens is. Um, you um, you call a clinic um, to book an appointment, and then um, you you go in and you have a, a short conversation with a healthcare provider. Oftentimes now that's happening over the phone, um, but basically you you have a short conversation with your healthcare provider about um, the types of sex you're having, um, if you're using condoms. Um, and how often you are uh, switching partners or, or how many partners you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, typically the healthcare provider will recommend, um, will recommend a test uh, for you to do. So um, that could be a, um, a swab test um, or it could be a urine sample. Um, so a swab test might be a vaginal swab, an anal swab, or an oral swab, depending on, on what kinds of sex you're having. Okay. Um, and if you're using condoms, um, and then there's also blood tests. So it really, it really does depend on on the types of um, on what your healthcare uh, provider recommends. Right. Do, urine yeah. urine tests, urine tests, and Pap tests would also be recommended, I assume. Um, yeah. So Pap tests um, are are regular tests uh, to check for abnormal um, abnormal cells, um, and it. PAP tests don't always include an STI test. So okay. actually, we um, we often tell folks that uh, if they're getting a PAP test and they would also like an STI test, that they actually need to ask for that from their healthcare provider. Okay. Uh, so not all, like some, some STIs get tested from their urine, some from swab, some uh, from blood tests, right? Yes. 
Yeah, so it exactly. all depends. It all depends on what you put, what what risk factors there were, which the healthcare provider just, I guess, through the conversation. Uh, now, yeah. what what about getting results? I know some people, yeah, they certainly don't want to get a phone call, maybe because they, I don't know, live with their parents or they don't want to get a letter in the mail. Like, how then do they just find out that their test results? And do they always call even if? There is nothing like if, if the tests all come back uh, negative, do they still mm-hmm. call the person? Because people sit there by the phone waiting, right? Totally. Yes. It's um, a great question. So um, if your test comes back um, negative, then then the healthcare provider will not call you. Um, okay. So basically, you only get a call if there is a positive result. And how long do we wait for that result or that phone call? When can we when can we breathe the sigh of relief that no news is good news? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so it really depends on the clinic, and it depends on um, how much backlog the labs have. So something that we have um, noticed um, during COVID is that. Um, Labs are really backed up with COVID tests. Right, um, right. And so that actually has impacted in a lot of provinces how quickly um, how quickly people can get their STI results. Um, so so basically, yeah, if there's a backup at a at a a lab, then then that affects how um, when you get your results. I'm sorry, that's not a, that's not a very clear answer. But it's, it's not, it's not a great answer because it's just not one we want to hear, but it is the reality of the, the times that we live in right now. There's only so many labs to go around. Yeah. Like uh, we, I think everybody pretty much understands that, but it's really hard for people who are thinking they caught something waiting for treatment and waiting to get the results to then maybe treat it it's a lot mm-hmm. of anxiety provoking, you know, just a lot of anxiety provoking moments, right? Oh, okay, the final question I have for you, uh, Makita, is how often should somebody get tested? Yeah, that's um, that's a great question. So we um, we typically recommend that that someone should get tested um, every time they switch partners, or at least once a year. Um, so if you don't switch partners, if you haven't switched partners, um, uh, in, you know, in a year, then yeah, you should definitely get tested once a year. Um, and yeah, I think that, um, I would also just say that of course, like people are feeling so much, um, anxiety generally, uh, when they're waiting for their, their test results. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the added stigma, um, that that comes with with STIs, um, and so that can also feel really uh, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, the more you um, uh, we we encourage people not to not to wait too long, right? Like, right. Um, and making STI testing a part of your regular health routine is one way to um, really ensure that that you can kind of curb some of that anxiety. Okay. And you have a um, a quiz on your website. Yeah. That people can yeah. take, right? Okay. Yes. What's the website? Uh, it's testforyou.ca. Oh, that's easy and enough. From, 
Yeah, testforyou.ca, and um, it's uh, it's a great tool to basically help you figure out how often you you should get tested based on um, based on just a few simple questions. Okay, great. Um, Makita, is there anything else uh, we need to know, or have I asked all the right questions? You you've asked all the right questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, just uh, you can check out our our. Uh, our material through the test for you, uh, .ca link and um, really appreciate being on your show today. Well, thank you for so much. Makita Zook, a health promotion and education officer from Action Canada for sexual health and rights. And you can always visit the website testforyou.ca. Thank you so much, Makita. Appreciate it very much. Uh, coming up. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. We've got a stupid sex story uh, submitted by one of our listeners. Actually, I've been getting lots of those, so that's kind of fun. Uh, Plus, I'll go back to that question uh, from that gentleman whose wife uh, no longer uh, is into sex with him, and we'll give him a few few tips, plus more of uh, your questions and, of course, uh, sex stories and whatever else comes up tonight. on CJD 800. All righty, here's your stupid sex story of the night submitted by a listener, all anonymous, so you too can send me your uh, your sex stories, your embarrassing stories. Here's the one. When I was married, my husband thought he was God's gift to women. He was tall, dark, and very handsome, but with a small drawback. Very small drawback, a three-inch penis erect. Whenever we had vaginal sex, I could barely feel him, and being his penis small and thin, he did not feel much inside me. We did do oral, but he rarely could make me orgasm without using my toy. He always wanted to have anal sex with me, thinking that my butt would be much tighter, and he may have been right, but I never wanted or desired anal sex. I always told him if he could get my toy in his ass, I would let him have mine. My toy was just a small silver vibrator, about four inches long, not thick at all. On one particular night, I went into the shower before bed. When I went into the bedroom, he told me he had a surprise for me, rolled over and spread his cheeks and said, look. I looked and all I saw was his butt. He said, look closer. At what? Your toy is in my butt. When I looked closer, it was all the way in. When he went to pull it out, it slipped the rest of the way in. I tried to get it out, but it was hopeless and he was very uncomfortable and I told him to try and poop it out. We ended up at the emergency and in triage, I cracked up listening to him tell this young nurse he had a vibrator in his butt. I was not present, but he told me it took two doctors and a nurse to remove it and hurt like hell, and the most humiliating thing that ever happened to him. I never did get that vibrator back, nor did he ever have anal sex with me. A couple of weeks later, I bought a new toy, bigger, vibrate, spins, pulsates, fully loaded. I showed it to him and asked him if he wants to give it another go. I still laugh about what happened. Um... And that's a good lesson, by the way, do not stick anything up your butt that doesn't belong there. Meaning if it's not made for butt play, like a butt plug that has a base, the 
the anus, the your butt, your rectum can suck things up uh, because of that sphincter muscle. And if it has nothing to pull it out, it can go deeper and deeper. And this is why people end up in the emergency room with all kinds of things shoved up there and, and have to be removed from the, sometimes the cavity of their intestines uh, or their the cavity of their rectum deep inside uh, because it's hard to... Uh, difficult to get out. So that's a lesson right there, never to put something in that doesn't uh, belong there. So a, a texter writes in on the uh, around the subject of STI testing. I didn't change partners for two years, but I found out my boyfriend had changed partners multiple times behind my back while we were together. Therefore, I think people shouldn't assume they don't need regular testing just because they themselves have not changed partners. I think two or three times a year would be better advice. You can never be sure if someone else is being as monogamous as you are. Yeah, that's the scary part, I suppose. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Text writes, too bad you have uh, no x-ray. It would have been a uh, keeper. And then I want to go back to the gentleman who uh, was writing to me about his wife uh, losing, uh, basically losing her mojo. Um, I'm just looking at, they've been together for four years and have two kids. So they're two very young kids. So you can imagine the, 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 uh, the pace of life in that household. But this texture writes to the fellow whose wife lost interest, a fellow on a self-help program on your station. Um, his name is Craig said after his wife was prescribed antidepressants was all over him. That's interesting because sometimes the, um, the side effect of antidepressants is is the loss of uh, libido or difficulty with orgasm, but depending again what what is going on. So obviously this is only a limited information that I have here and don't really know what's going on in your wife's uh, life, but you do say she has no interest in sexual intercourse most of the time. I'm wondering if she has interest in other uh, physical pleasures. Are you pleasing her in other ways? Like give her lots of foreplay. The other thing too that often we don't understand is that our desires can change. You mentioned it here. Yes, hormonal uh, changes and life changes and stress, stressful situations and all of this impacts uh, our desire. So it's something that we have to address more on a global scale, like look at all, all the things that impact, especially women, they seem to be impacted more by all of these things. You say about wanting to go back to like the first month, that's not going to happen. You can't get the beginning back of a relationship. You know, it's like wanting to get your virginity back. It just doesn't happen simply because at the beginning of a relationship, there's a, a release of hormones that only exist at the beginning. The that the that hormone that makes you feel lust and attraction and all of that stuff. After a while, that the hormone dissipates and it changes into more of a bonding hormone that happens with sex. Now, having said that, it's very possible that your wife is not driven by a hunger for sex, but that doesn't mean she shouldn't be having sex to at least get that those other hormones kicking in and making sure she connects with you. Uh, so this is where we talk about um, 
desire being less spontaneous for women and more responsive, meaning that the desire kicks in after the arousal, but then she has to have, she has to put herself in a situation where she receives that arousal. So that's something that the two of you can talk about. Maybe um, you said at the beginning that you watched my TED Talks. Well, I've done two. So I've done one on female uh, pleasure, but I did another one on um, desire in long-term relationships where I talk about these things. So if you look up my name on YouTube and you you just write my name with TEDx next to it, then you will get to um, my TED Talks. I know one of them, I don't, I I forget which one, but has like almost a million and a half views already. So that's good. The the, the message is spreading, uh, which I'm uh, very happy about. So if there's anything else, if anybody wants to add to that, uh, please, please feel free. A couple of texts here. I think once restrictions are lifted, sex is going to go to new heights. I hope condom, I hope condom sales rise as well. well apparently there's, they're still selling. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Dr. Lori, I'm a single male finding myself turned on by my, a married guy friend. We've developed a bromance. We cuddle very close and we hold hands when we get together and watch TV. Neither of us had, have had gay sex, but we enjoy the pleasure of this bromance and the closeness of our relationship. Is there anything wrong with what we are doing? I'm not the judge and jury here to tell you what's right and what's wrong. The only thing I'm going to say is you're both married. If you would do this in front of your wives, then fine. And they're okay with it. They don't, they're not threatened by it or what have you. No, then, then there's everybody's on board. All, all good. Um, but I wonder if you've asked, if you've asked yourself a little bit more and gone a little bit further than that, those are romantic feelings that you have together, right? I mean, even women have close friends. Yes, they can sit close and, and watch TV, but I don't know, holding hands, cuddling, um, goes beyond friendship. I think I, I, I just don't know. Maybe it's something that you need to, uh, explore a little bit more, uh, explore, explore these feelings that you might have. Uh, are you saying she should have sex even if not in the mood, give in to his desires and in hopes it triggers some arousal. It's not about giving into his desires, but it's about women making a choice and making a commitment to have sex because sex is still in, an important part. And when they don't, they're also denying themselves pleasure. So, I mean, unless the sex is really bad, but you could fix that by telling your partner what you do like, and hopefully your partner will agree to give you what you like. Um, but that's really important. So why deny yourself pleasure? You just have to get yourself there uh, it, it, rather than sit around and just wait for the, the desire to kind of kick in. You, ha- you have to trigger the desire, if you will. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. So a couple of texts here to share uh, with you on the guy who wrote in about his bromance holding hands with his buddy, his married buddy, and he's married too, and the cuddling. 
Uh, they are both married men. I think they should not explore any further. In fact, they should cease further activity. They are endangering their marriage and families. They are cheating. Another one says, yeah, holding hands seems weird. I'm not even comfortable holding hands with my kids anymore, 12 and 14, nor are they with me. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't like the word normal, but perhaps awkward men holding hands that aren't gay. Uh, so there you go. And for the guy earlier who wrote in about his um, <laughs> his itchy uh, balls, <laughs> and shaft after he has sex with his wife. Uh, he is allergic to his wife. LOL, he should wash with cold water. Warm face cloth will open pores. Maybe it's the soap, could be. Uh, and another one, which uh, is actually a good point, did he shave his balls recently? So if there was shaving, it's true that that can certainly cause some burning or uh, or itching and the acidity of the vagina could uh, maybe... Um, aggravate that. So that's possible. And another one writes about STI testing. I went to a major downtown hospital to an infectious disease clinic where was humiliated and shamed. I ran out and would never, ever go back. I bought antibiotics on the street as a cure. Oi. Uh, and I feel terrible for you. That should never, ever happen to go to an, an infectious disease clinic and be shamed is unacceptable. But there are clinics that there's youth clinics. I don't know how old you are. The youth clinics go to about the age of 25 where you can access information, STI testing, contraception, things like that. I would look at a list of and go to a smaller clinic maybe if you don't want to go to a, a, a big hospital or something like that. Uh, but that should never, ever, ever happen. Dr. Lori, what if the woman has no interest in having sex ever again? What if she wants other types of pleasure in her life? Would you consider her sick sexually speaking? Does a woman need to have sex all her adult life if she is in a relationship to be considered normal in your opinion? That's a good question. I hate the word normal. And I can tell you that every couple has to uh, establish their own norm, okay? So if you have a woman who has zero interest in sex and never wants to have sex again, and she has a husband or a wife, whatever, who is not on that page, who wants to be sexual, wants to maintain sexuality in the relationship, you are going to have a problem in that relationship. But if you have two people who are okay with the lack of sex or the the absence of sex in their relationship and they're both good with it then that's their normal and they're there's nothing wrong so when we look at dysfunction if you you're talk you use the word sick but let's say you, we talk about dysfunction there's one word in the diagnostic manual that makes something a dysfunction above anything else and that is that the person must be distressed by this. So if the woman is distressed because it's causing friction in her relationship, then it becomes a problem. Uh, so it's not a question of normal, abnormal. It's much more about what's happening in the relationship. If she's a single woman and is not interested in having sex and considered maybe she's asexual, maybe she just not interested. It's okay. And is not distressed by it. There's nothing abnormal 
um, about it, really. It's not a word I, I would I would use to describe anybody in, in that sense. So that's a choice or or how that particular woman is feeling. So remember the word distress is uh, is really important in that. Uh, let's see. Let's be co- politically correct. Not balls, they are testicles, not <laughs> they are mammalian protuberance. Oh, forget it. Forget about that. Uh, let's see. We've survived 11 months. After another bunch of months or so, we can be Montrealers again. Breathe, breathe in the air. Don't be afraid to care. Uh, yes. And once again, a nice uh, reminder. Thank you very much. All right, let me uh, share with you some new dating terms, which, of course, uh, every once in a while, uh, new words enter the pop culture lexicon and uh, uh, shows us how complex modern dating relationships have become. And by the way, the world of infidelity, no exception. Ashley Madison, the uh, married dating website, has released its annual discrete dictionary defining the current state of extramarital affairs. And by the way, they have seen an uptick in virtual hookups. So, um, of course, discreet communication, they say, has never been so uh, so vital. They say the pandemic has changed basic human interaction as we know it and introduced a whole new set of realities. Despite many connections going virtual for the time being, discretion still remains the top priority of our members. So we decided to make relevant additions to the language of infidelity. Here they are. Spousally distanced. That's the state of being a safe distance away from your spouse in order to virtually communicate with an affair partner. A Zoom boom, to engage in virtual sex with an affair partner, specifically over Zoom. Mutual masturbation, in which two people masturbate together while wearing face masks. Vaxidating, to date only those who have received the COVID-19 vaccine. Lifting the veil to see your affair partner without a face mask for the first time. Apocalust, apocalust, brought on by the pandemic, the desire to engage in an in-person affair with a neighbor or coworker and thus increase the chances of being caught and ending a marriage career instead of apocalypse. Uh, smoke signals, discrete virtual methods of communication between affair partners stockpiling to assemble a selection of sex partners for after the pandemic, masked rider, one who engages in numerous affairs or gets around despite COVID-19, and finally, stray at home order, the urge to have a virtual affair while confined to the home during lockdown. (laughs) Silly, but what can I say? I just report it, right? Uh, Here's something else. Uh, The sexual health health expert warns of gonorrhea boom post-lockdown. This is out of Britain. A gonorrhea boom once lockdown lifts and life starts to return to normal. The British Association for Sexual Health and HIV has raised concerns that as restrictions are lifted, sexually transmitted infections could rise. In Canada, we're seeing the same thing. There are a lot of similarities between COVID and STIs. The notions of social distancing and isolating isolating have been in sexual health for a long time. 
We are on our way back to where we were a year ago. As we open society up again, we can expect more gonorrhea and syphilis. People are rebounding back to living a normal life as they can, and that includes a safe and entertaining sex life. About 80 to 90% of people have seen their sexual activity reduced in the last year. The doctor went on to say that the clinics he works in at, in West London have seen a 5% increase week on week, adding they have seen a slow and controlled increase in clinics. Last year, the World Health Organization warned against a strain of gonorrhea that is resistant to antibiotics, nicknamed super gonorrhea. That's all we need. They warned that that STI uh, may become untreatable with antibiotics due to their overuse. Interestingly, azithromycin, a common antibiotic for treating respiratory infections, was used for COVID-19 treatment also earlier in the um, epidemic. During the pandemic, STI services have also been disrupted. We just heard from the from Action Health Canada. Uh, so the uh, same thing is happening here. This means more STI cases are not diagnosed properly with more people self-medicating as a result, which can fuel emergence of resistance in gonorrhea, including a gonorrhea superbug or gonorrhea with high-level resistance to current antibiotics recommended to treat it. Please, please, please wear a condom. That's all I can say. Wear a condom. By the way, the UK has the highest rate of gonorrhea in Europe. I don't know how it compares to Canadian rates, but nonetheless, we're seeing a worldwide, at least you know, here, North America, Europe, in the rise of gonorrhea and syphilis. It's just that gonorrhea is a little bit worrisome uh, simply because there's this superbug and uh, you don't want to not be able to treat it is all I'm saying. So as this text writes, let's declare war on STI. So put a helmet on your soldier before he goes into battle. Yes, please, please do. That's it for me. Thank you so much for being here, uh, for listening, for your text messages, your words of encouragement, your help to others. Always appreciated. Thank you to our technical producer, Nicole Proano, tonight, our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. If you want to find me, drlaurie.com is the quickest, fastest way. You can also uh, have access to all the podcasts of past shows uh, if you click on the Passion Radio uh, tab right there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. I can feel it every-